This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial. Your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk. For Wednesday, March the 20th, I'm your host, D.A. Mike Trout signs the 12-year extension worth $430 million to remain a member of the Angels. And that is one of the biggest sports stories of the year because he's the best player in baseball by far, and now we know where he's going to be playing his baseball for more than the next decade. But because it's baseball, because the national perception of baseball has taken a hit, because the national interest in MLB has waned in recent years, does the average fan recognize, does this resonate, Mike Trout's massive new deal? Here's 97 won the ticket in Detroit with Jamie and Stoney. The bottom line is that Mike Trout plays on the West Coast. That, yes. That's the one thing you can't change. If Mike Trout had the exact same career and his team had had the exact same success or lack thereof, I mean, people on Twitter yesterday were pointing, pointing out the fact that he has yet to win a playoff game. Right. Not a playoff series, a playoff game, which, whatever, that's not on him. No. That's on everybody around him. Exactly. But, I mean, let's just say the Angels were the Baltimore Orioles, and a lot more people would know and have been watching Mike Trout. True. I mean, you can't deny the West Coast anti-bias or whatever it is. Um, but but what's he's done now? I mean, the, what the subway commercials? Is that the only thing he's really done? Part of that's his decision. I, I understand that. But and that, there are some who will criticize Mike Trout and say he's staying in Anaheim because it's a nice, safe haven. He's a relatively quiet, other than his fandom for the Philadelphia Eagles and the fan for the Weather Channel. Right. Mm-hmm. Mike Trout is a pretty private guy, so right. more power to him. And a lot of people back in Philly, they thought that oh, he's coming back home, hometown discount, all that stuff. Yeah, right. But that, Tony, uh, you you made the point about the the average American. Mm-hmm. You're right. That it's the it's the three numbers, not the two numbers. It's the eye-popping 40, 426 million, because yes. then you can round it up to 500, even though that's a pretty big <laughs> round pretty off round. round. But that's <laughs> a half a billion dollars, which is probably what spawned my original question in this entire segment. But when you look at it annually, it's a, it's actually a fair contract, because he is the best player in the game. Right. He, he shows no signs of slowing down. He shows no wear and tear on that body. So he's probably going to earn it. His salary in 2021, when I guess this extension really starts to kick in, is going to be $35.8 million. That's only $4 million more than Miguel Cabrera's schedule yeah, to make right. in 2020. Exactly right. I think the salary plateau is $50 million per season. I don't think you'll ever see the billion thing. But I do think you're, you're going to see an NBA player with $50 million. Well, I what I so, think is actually interesting, you know, because all this talk about the Major League Baseball Players Association and Major League Baseball coming to a new settlement with all these rule changes. Because mm-hmm. what was the story of the entire offseason, right? Collusion. Collusion, yeah. cutting back, cutting back. Well, now you have Machado, Harper, and uh, you mentioned Bregman, and now Trout. Everybody, when we talked about the Harper, tr- tr- well, there's still Trout, 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 Trout. Right. Now Trout's signed. Yeah. That's it, I think. 
I mean, yes, there's other good young players like Carlos Correa and, you know, who are going to, you know, Francisco Lindor, Lindor. who are going to get the next big contract, but they're not going to come close. I, I have a feeling this is this is kind of it. But well, the, the one and now we're going to kind of maybe even back. Well, the one thing I, I hope that, that I like about this, although Harper, I just don't think is that great. But Trout, Machado, people like the superstars should get superstar contracts and they, they can do that in baseball because they, there's no cap in basketball you're talking about you know these contracts the problem in basketball is with a salary cap most fans have no problem like you know when, when unibrow gets his contract LeBron. and when the greek freak lebron pay them even more than their the problem is with, with all due respect is when john lore gets 10 million dollars that's the thing that people have a harder time coming to grips with people understand i understand why you're paying the faces of your sport ridiculous amounts of money because they deserve it they bring eyeballs in they, they, they the jerseys are being bought. It's every. It's the other people. It's like, man, really? Mm-hmm. You're paying this guy $5 million and he doesn't even play? couple of things with Mike Trout that you just can't get around. Number one, playing on the West Coast for a secondary team, not the Dodgers, means that most of the average fans in America haven't really watched Mike Trout at all. Also, he's not playing in the postseason, and that's when most of the nation gets its baseball fix in October. Only three games there, all losses. So most of the country is not watching Mike Trout. But that's only because that Mike Trout also doesn't have a very big-time personality, opinionated personality, or want to do endorsements. All of that being said, yeah, I think most people have heard that Mike Trout's great, but most people haven't judged Mike Trout themselves. And until he plays... In October, in baseball, that's kind of the only way you're going to get that notoriety unless he becomes a totally different person on social media and before the camera, and I don't see that happening. He's a South Jersey kid. There's always been rumblings that he will end up in Philadelphia when all is said and done with the Phillies because he's a hardcore Eagles fan, and people just figured he wants to come back home and play for the local Philadelphia Phillies, but apparently not so. And so... In the city of brotherly love, they should be celebrating Bryce Harper signing, but instead, they're lamenting that Mike Trout won't. Here's Joe DeCamera and John Ritchie on WIP in Philly. I think he did us wrong. Like, bottom line is, it was right for him, it was wrong for me, which is very selfish, I guess. That's not not him doing the... uh, The way that I feel is that it was... Like dishonorable, and I think that's unfair to Mike Trout. I think it's uh, probably wrong, but that's the way I feel. Wow. And my gut says I just feel sick about all of this. And and my gut says that me trying to rationalize it that he's going to force a trade in two years no. or three years is me being stupid. Yeah, yeah. So like that that's what was, I was now to tell you yesterday. that was now <laughs> a pipe dream. Yeah, and. I feel as though I was all just sort of led along by by Trout. Well, let me ask you a and, question. And but, I feel but, like but, we were a a piece uh, a piece in the puzzle for him yeah, but, to manipulate the Angels into giving him more money. Yeah, well, that that may be the case. That's also business. Here's the thing, though: when you say uh, led along by Trout, here, where I disagree wildly with that is, I, you know, I'll speak from my own standpoint. I didn't think it was going to happen for a long, 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 long time. I felt like I was starting to be led along by fans, and I'm not criticizing any individual person. I'm just saying there was a groundswell over time that, that seemed to indicate, oh, my God, this is going to happen. 
And I was like, no, 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 no. And then eventually I'm like, my God, everyone just keeps saying it. Maybe it will happen. And hey, then, I, and then, and then I Harper, saw Trout over at the, yeah, well, the shop right, and he yeah. said yeah. he's coming to Philly. Well, he never said yeah. that. But him and Harper, well, you know. But you would hear reports you'd, like you'd that. you hear stuff. And Harper and him uh, doing the text thing. When and, the and, Harper thing happened, yeah. and it seemed obvious that that was a focus of Bryce Harper, right. it, I felt like Harper had talked to John Middleton. Middleton did, about how Middleton yeah. was willing to pony up. Yeah. Like, I, I felt like they were going to do whatever it took to get Trout here. Yep. And I felt like Trout, Trout was complicit in that. But to, like, it, that was his plan, too. And now that gets ripped out from under me. Yep. The fact that I he got a heck of a lot of money, and I know that we had something to do with that because those rumors were serving... A couple purposes. One was they were getting my hopes up, yep. our hopes up. Two, they were making the Angels realize they had to increase their offer. Which Otherwise, he was yeah. going to do what his heart told him to do, according to the rumors, and that was come home. I thought the heart would win out. Wow. And he went with the cold, hard cash. That's a sure thing. And I guess the businessman side of me says he'd be crazy not to, but the fan. But you're annoyed at Trout. I am very annoyed. I feel betrayed. I feel used. (laughs) I feel like we were used to get him more money. And now the the, the no opt-out clause hurts. If you're a Phillies fan getting upset with Mike Trout for not coming, you are barking up the wrong tree. He never had any reason to have to leave Anaheim. He didn't have to come back home. He never promised he would come back home. He didn't even float that as a rumor. That is just because you wanted it to happen, and it felt like geographically it could happen. And then Bryce Harper fanned the flame. This will come back to bite Harper because he made it sound like he was going to go out there and do great recruiting. And a couple of weeks later, suddenly Mike Trout wants nothing to do with that recruitment. So if anything, Bryce Harper looks silly in all of this. I feel as though I was... All just sort of led along by Trout. Well, let me ask you a question. And, and I feel but, like but, we were a a piece a piece in the puzzle for him yeah, but, to manipulate the Angels into giving him more money. The offseason's been a crazy one in Pittsburgh for a lot of Steelers reasons. Antonio Brown shot his way out of town, landed with the Oakland Raiders. Le'Veon Bell refused to play, landed with the New York Jets. Le'Veon finally opened up about what his decision-making was last year surrounding the Steelers and the franchise tag and spoke to Sports Illustrated. Here's our friends of the Fan Morning Show on 93.7, the fan in Pittsburgh. Did Le'Veon have any real strategy last year? After the first game, it was like James Conner proved that the Steelers didn't need Bell, and yet by fumbling near the end of the game and doing something that Bell rarely does, he kind of proved that, hey, you know what? Maybe they do need Le'Veon Bell. Um, I, you know, and they ended up in a tie. Uh, so it's, I, I think he still could have stuck with his original plan, and everything would have been all right. Yes, after the bye week. From, yeah, for, he, or no, or even no one after he, this, week one. This after week one, after the bye week, certainly after the bye week. His this plan is, kept changing. You know why? Because he got his feelings hurt. Because he took to heart what guys said. And you know what? If you're going to make a business decision that's unpopular. Sometimes you're going to get your feelings hurt, and you just got to drive forward. The other, the other part of this is that this is a real easy way to jump on this rhetoric that the Pittsburgh Steelers locker room was a mess and that the organization has no control over the players and all this stuff, and jump on the fact that 
this belief that people have that A.B. and Le'Veon Bell were somehow run out of town by the Steelers. That's going to be the hot topic here today. Just watch the national talk shows, the hot take debate shows. They're going to talk about how the Steelers mismanaged another star player, when in reality, he was just afraid to walk back into the room. Right. Even when the Steelers stuff goes away, it never does. Nope, nope. And it's not going to. Le'Veon Bell was on, he was in Sports Illustrated, but they did a, a taped interview with him, him and Jenny Varenis, and they, a video interview. Mm-hmm. And he just comes off sounding so weak. He, first of all, I have no idea how he didn't fire his agent. I have no idea how he hasn't done that yet. Adisa <laughs> Bakari should be happy he's getting his percentage on this contract with the Jets. But here's the spin that I think it that needs to be looked at here in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. People talk about... It's a it's a, a clown show in that locker room all the time, that there's no unity and all this stuff, that Mike Tomlin should be fired for the way that um, that people comport themselves in that locker room. It's a, you know, people running the, sh- the ship or whatever the players do. Well, wasn't this a case where when you really, let's peel apart the layers. So you have Le'Veon Bell comes out in this interview today that says, you know, it pretty much, to me, says, I was afraid to go back in there. Mm-hmm. Those dudes rallied together as a team. Isn't that exactly what they're being accused of not doing enough, the Pittsburgh Steelers? Yes. Like, See, like for me, guys like Hayward, guys like Hayden, guys like Ramon Foster, the offensive lineman, even the quarterback, I guess. But everybody in that room has been accused of, for some reason, the whole time for me it's been 84 and 26 that have been outlier employees that have acted rogue. But now is a case where those guys really mounted up and were like, you know what? Screw that dude if he doesn't want to be here. Screw that dude. And that's what I thought it's been from the beginning. And now you have a validation of that from Le'Veon Bell pretty much saying, well, people were saying things that weren't nice to me. Well, you know what? That's what happens when you jump out on your teammates. You know what I mean? This comes down to two guys when we talk about Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown not handling their business as mature adults. I have said that from the beginning. Everybody wants to make this big, ridiculous, wide-swathing claim about the Pittsburgh Steelers locker room being in shambles. It's not. It's 26 and it's 84 acting like clowns and if that's what it was and if Le'Veon Bell had reached out to his teammates and explained what he was going to do and if Antonio Brown had simply come out and said I want a new contract trade me or cut me or do something to get me out of here it would have been a whole lot more palatable than oh I acted like an idiot now my agent's saving my butt I don't think Le'Veon nor his agent had any true intention of what their direction was going to be It felt like they were flying by the seat of their pants the entire time. And once that locker room started openly griping about Le'Veon, he folded his arms, took his football, and went home. But what the franchise tag meant, what his earning power could be, what the market would value him as, I don't think there was any true direction for Le'Veon last year. The NCAA tournament will start up in full tomorrow at noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. on the West Coast we got the first four games going on right now, but everybody's waiting to see the star of all stars, Zion Williamson. And this is an interesting time in college basketball history with investigations and suspensions and coaches getting fired because of said stuff and also what to do with compensation with the players. Dick Vitale, long time, a cheerleader for the sport of college basketball, joined WFNZ in Charlotte and suggested that Zion actually saved at college basketball at its lowest point. 
He's been the face of college basketball at a time when we had a lot of problems. It was like a cesspool out there. And that squire interviewed me. We're talking. And I told him it's like a cesspool. Not only is it a cesspool in terms of the collegiate game, but the game of what's going on with the admissions office for fraudulent, fraudulent athletes being put together, coaches taking bribes to, to put in a kid's name that he's an athlete to get him through school. I mean, it's just really, really ridiculous and absurd. We have coaches been arrested, indicted. We got trials, FBI wiretaps, and here comes Zion. So Zion had saved the game for people to talk about him as much as they did and really enjoy his smile and his incredible talent and ability. Dickie, from uh, Duke to UNC, UNC's been a team that really has come together over the last two months and become a real powerhouse. Obviously, we got treated to Duke UNC Part 3 just last week. When you talk about UNC in the tournament, uh, how do you think these two teams, or rather, how do you think UNC matches up? What could, what, what maybe you think could, could be their challenge in this tournament? Well, you know, North Carolina's scoring ability is unbelievable. They got three really outstanding guys. When you think of Kobe White, you think certainly of Cameron uh, Johnson. And you think about the fact of the play of absolutely Luke May. I mean, experienced players, guys that know how to win, and a young freshman in Kobe uh, who really can play and score. And Roy Williams did a great job, you know, getting that club back on track after early. You know, I did the game when they got beat by Michigan. They were embarrassed and humiliated. I mean, just didn't get beat. I mean, they just absolutely rolled over, and Michigan just dominated them. Then they got blown out of home uh, later on by Louisville, but they recovered, and that's why, if you look at my Mount Rushmore book, the four coaches, the four best of my 40 years at ESPN, you got certainly the mentor, Dean Smith, you got the pupil, Roy Williams, you got the mentor, Robert Montgomery Knight, and you got his pupil, Mike Krzyzewski. Those are my four best coaches, and that's why Roy is a great coach. He has the ability to not let that loss multiply and become two, three, four, five losses and to get the most out of his people. And he's done a beautiful job. I saw where uh, uh, USA Today picked him as the coach of the year. Uh, Roy has done a terrific job. You can feel the passion and love he has for his alma mater, and he shows that, and the kids respond. There's some truth there that this year more people are locked into Duke games, college basketball, and Zion because of him, because of the player, because of his ability. We have coaches been arrested, indicted. We got trials, FBI wiretaps, and here comes Zion. So Zion had saved the game for people to talk about him as much as they did and really enjoy his smile and his incredible talent and ability. But I won't say that he saved college basketball because that would suggest that because of Zion, the investigations go away. The shroud of uncertainty surrounding the FBI goes away, that somehow all of the dirtiness of recruiting scandals, that all goes away. No, that all doesn't go away simply because of Zion. And once Zion leaves this offseason, who's going to fill that void from here on out? So for a year, Zion absolutely helped all types of interest around the sport. But after that, I don't think you can say that he saved anything. Gary Parrish is a longtime college basketball writer and insider for CBS Sports. He also hosts a show on 92.9 in Memphis. And as we look ahead to the brackets, helping you fill out your brackets, how to pick an upset. Gary, take it away. You got to pick some upset somewhere in the bracket. So one of the things I do is I try to find teams who have earned seeds that no longer correlate with the roster in place. In other words, Kansas State. 
they earned a four seed by being co-Big 12 champions. They also might be playing in this NCAA tournament without Dean Wade, who is arguably their best player, definitely their best rebounder. Mm -hmm. And they're playing a UC Irvine team that's won 30 games this season, got an incredible coach in Russell Turner um, that's on a 16-game winning streak. So all they've been doing lately is winning. And that is a really good offensive rebounding team because if you're missing Dean Wade, Kansas State's got missing their best rebounder and playing a game against a team that's a very good offensive rebounding team. And so I took uh, UC Irvine Hmm. to to beat Kansas State, a 13 over four in the round of 64. And then I didn't do this intentionally, but I took Kansas State's rival Kansas uh, to also lose in the round of 64 for the exact same reasons. Kansas... um, you know, is it was ranked number one in the country mm-hmm. when it was healthy. You know, that's the the thing that I don't think most people forget, but still some clearly do. When Kansas had Yudoka Azabuki and LeGerald Vick, that Kansas team was, uh, you know, ranked number one in the country. And Diedrich Lawson was a real um, National Player of the Year candidate. But then they lost Yudoka Azabuki to a um, season-ending uh, a season-ending hand injury, and LeGerald Vick left the team for personal reasons. That's down two starters. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it, it's it's not surprising given what I just said that Kansas's streak of of Big Twelve regular season championships was snapped. What's surprising is that they still had technically a chance to extend it in the final week of the regular season, uh, given that they lost two starters along the way and never got Silvio D'Souza. But part of the resume they put together to get the four seed that the committee gave them it involves games that involved Yudoka Azabuki and involved Legero Vic, neither of whom is available this week. And so I took Northeastern to beat. Kansas in the round of 64. That's a Northeastern team that I saw up close last week at the CAA tournament in Charleston, South Carolina. Basically, it boils down to this. Northeastern shoots about 46% of its field goal attempts from beyond the arc, and they make 39% of them. And so it's like you got a team with a stud senior guard. Uh, Vasa Pushitsa, he's from Serbia, made seven three-pointers in the CAA tournament title game. You got a guard who can, who, who's just terrific, like he could play anywhere in the country. One thing I think you also do is note the higher seeds that had an early exit in their conference tournaments. You know, A team like Texas Tech was one and done in the Big 12. That never bodes well for deep runs, so if you're looking for potential pushovers as bigger seeds, bracket busters as lower seeds. Look for the higher teams, the bigger teams that were one and done in their conference tournaments. We're all getting ready to have people over our house or go out to watch at a sports bar, follow on our phones. And what's the proper way to prepare for your fans, for your friends, for your family that shows up and wants to eat and drink and gamble on the tournament? Here's Sports Radio KFH in Wichita with an interesting combination of how to serve the cuisine at the March Madness party. We got Lee Sterling now from ParamountSports.com. We were talking a little, a few little prop bets that Bruce and I will make about an hour from now. Uh, Lee, how in the world have you been? How have you ever gone along without us here at KFH Radio for all these weeks? <laughs> it hasn't been easy. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Good answer, Lee. Oh, uh, boy. Joy coming on with you guys. And, uh, wow, got, got a lot of action. I know Wichita State's not in it this year, but uh, Kansas and Kansas State are. And, uh, 
Every tournament is amazing. The key is you got to pace yourself. Uh, I, I've been out to Vegas many, many times. Not going this year, having friends over in the man cave. What we do is I'm involved the first day. I pick the, the menu. We're going to have deli to start the yeah. day. And then once we get to about 7 o'clock Eastern, we go into Chinese food. So every, <laughs> every person nice. has a different menu that they set for each day. So uh, the key is to pace yourself and uh, you want to make it into the second weekend. I went to Vegas a couple of times, and I would see people that were so excited. I saw them cheering and going crazy, and then I go down for coffee the first morning, and they're sleeping in that chair. The first <laughs> night, the second night, the third night, and the fourth night before they go back on Monday, and they don't have a hotel room, and they don't have a dollar hmm. left. So, um, the key is you got to pace yourself, but should be a lot of fun. And, and attacking... The brackets and, and betting these games is just totally different animals. So you go with a little deli and then Chinese. What an interesting one-two punch on a March Madness party. I mean, in many ways, you'd kind of think that those two things don't go together very well. But ultimately, you do want to satisfy as much of the audience as you'll have at your party. And deli's always good. You get the sandwiches, the cold cuts, etc. And then late, something a little salty. Something a little sweet and soury. Get a little chicken, fried rice, sweet and sour, bingo, bangle. I could see this working. It's a little unconventional, but sometimes you got to take chances when it comes to one shining moment in your glory in March Madness. I'm involved the first day. I picked the, the menu. We're going to have deli to start the yeah. day, and then once we get to about 7 o'clock Eastern, we go into Chinese food. So every, every person <laughs> nice. has a different menu that they set for each day. And we'll wrap up with nostalgia. In 1998, now 21 years ago, the Atlanta Falcons danced all the way to the Super Bowl. They ensuingly lost to the Denver Broncos and John Elway, but on the road to the Super Bowl, that team captured a lot of imaginations in the South and the Atlanta area with the Dirty Bird Dance. Jamal Anderson and company doing the Dirty Bird Dance in the end zone after wins, and they end up going all the way to the final game of the season. Now, more than two decades later, should the Falcons bring the Dirty Bird back? What a question! Here's the morning show on 92.9, the game in the ATL with John Fricky and Hugh Douglas. Apparently, uh, the team has sent out a questionnaire to some of its season ticket holders, maybe all of them, Asking uh, that, among other things, asking whether or not the Dirty Bird ought to come back. Back in 1998, Jamal Anderson, who had a phenomenal year that year and that incredible run uh, towards the Super Bowl, uh, started dancing this Dirty Bird thing that he did, I guess, in college at Utah. Uh, he and O.J. Santiago. And it caught on. It was the big dance, you know, kind of flap your wings like a, like a chicken and, you know, strut around. It was called the Dirty Bird, Right. And uh, some of the fans really, I mean, it was a big thing in town, no question. They were doing the Dirty Bird. But do you think you can capture the past again? Is that something you can bring just automatically back? You know what? When I, when, when I was looking at this story and I was reading through it, I, I honestly thought it was the mascot. I thought the mascot, they were talking about bringing back the mascot. Oh, not Freddy the, the Falcon? Well, yeah, I thought Freddie, I, I was like, wait, that, that's what got me confused. Oh, wait a minute. Is there a different mascot than, than Freddie? Like the Dirty Bird mascot? I thought it was a Dirty Bird mascot. Oh, I got you. You know what I mean? Because the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, if you, are you bringing back Jamal Anderson? Are, 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 no. you, are you bringing him back? No. I think that that is something that's specific to that time. Mm-hmm. 
And if it was a mascot or something, I would say yes. But what are you going to do? You going to make the you going to make uh, Julio Jones when he scores a touchdown? You going to make him do the dirty bird? I mean, I know Julio's done it. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, but, around, gonna, but, but is it going to be like a mandatory touchdown? No, but there? I mean, I wouldn't mind if see if they hadn't asked, okay. And, and and Julio or somebody had done it, Calvin Ridley had done it this year, and it kind of recaught on. I wouldn't have minded it if it would have been organic. You know what I'm saying? See, I, I would probably ask the question: In what capacity? You know, because I think most people think of the Dirty Bird as a dance. It is a dance. Yeah, yeah. And I would have to ask the Atlanta Falcons: Are you talking about like a, a, a another mascot? Or are you talking about? Right. Uh, I guess I, I you know what I mean. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, because. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, that that was something that was special to that time period. I remember that because right. uh, that was the year that was the Super Bowl run. Right, that Super Bowl run year. I remember when all that went down because I think we played. I mean, we came down here and played Atlanta, and I remember him doing the dance all over the place. I think when they scored the last touchdown because it was a low scoring game. Yeah, that's an era. That 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 is an era. Yeah, that's kind of the way I thought. I mean, if they if they hadn't asked and, and it had just sort of been organic, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. The team needs to come up with its own identity. It cannot be done by a survey. It can't be done by you know somebody like Dan Quinn saying you got to do this. The brotherhood was organic. It's got to be organic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think the reason why, they, and that's why I have so many questions about this survey because it's kind of hard. I I didn't see it. We're going off of what we heard in, in the Falcoholic. And it's asking people, do, do they want to bring the Dirty Bird back? I would ask, in what capacity? Mm-hmm. And, and what do we mean? Are, are we going to have a different mascot? Are we going to put, what, uh, uh, a gold tooth on Freddy the Falcon? Are we going to change, are we gonna are change we gonna the uniforms? Are we going to go yeah, back to the black do? uniforms? Yeah. You know? What are we going to do? What are we going to do with Freddy the Falcon? We're going right. to make him wear a hat to the, to the side. Who knows? Look, you can't bring it back. Can't bring it back. It was a one-time deal. It's in the moment. You can't take it back bring it back and act like it's still a thing. It went away. It's gone away. If you bring it back now, it just looks like modern day co-opted nostalgia, which never ends up landing the right way on the audience, on the fans, or on the team itself. You got to leave well enough alone. You can't bring back the dirty bird. That is a law. That's the best of your sports talk for Wednesday, March the 20th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.